Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. Let me encourage you to find Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13. Uh, you find your place there in Acts chapter number 13. I want to make this statement this morning by way of opening. There's a spiritual war raging for the souls of mankind. Let me, let me say it again and please hear my heart on this. There is a spiritual war raging for the souls of mankind. So much so that Paul, when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he said this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. It very well could be that Paul was thinking about this particular section of Scripture as the Lord moved him to write Acts chapter 13. Because in this passage of Scripture, we see a war that's occurring over one man's soul. The man's name is Sergius Paulus. He is a Roman governor, and he desperately wants to hear the Word of God preached. But there is an individual that is preventing him from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a man by the name of Bar-Jesus. He was a sorcerer, a magician, a man that was mastered of the arts. He was a Jew, which is very fascinating. We'll get to it here in just a few moments. But his primary goal was to prevent Sergius Paulus from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're living in a culture today where this culture is doing everything in its power to prevent people from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you look at our culture today and you've seen, you see it, right is wrong and wrong is right. If you're biblically true, then you're culturally wrong. And if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to do it by sticking your thumb in culture. And you're going to say, uh, we, we're not agreeing with that. And, and you will be turned on. Uh, the cancel, cancel culture that's out there today will do everything in its power to shut your mouth. What we need today is we need born-again children of God who know Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that clearly understand that we are in a spiritual battle. And we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. But we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are at war with the spiritual today. And what's on the line is the salvation of lost souls. You might be here today and maybe you're just interested in the gospel. Maybe you're just like, maybe you're like Sergius Paulus. And, and you're just, you want to know a little bit more about this Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, listen to me very carefully. It is our responsibility to live our life with such biblical clarity that any lost person can ask us and we willingly and knowledgeably under the power of the Holy Spirit of God communicate what it means to be saved. Over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this issue of a spirit-led church. And how we as Maysville Baptist Church want to be spirit-led. And in looking in Acts chapter 13, we've already talked about this. We said that the church at Antioch, uh, being the first Gentile Christian church, uh, that is to say a church that believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, God did some things within that congregation through the power of the Holy Spirit that is just illuminated in Acts chapter 13. Now, Acts chapter 13 is a very, very important chapter because it's a transitionary chapter. It transitions from Judea, Samaria, unto uh, the uttermost parts of the earth. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then 13 goes into the uttermost parts of the earth. Peter was very influential in the first 13 uh, chapters of the book of Acts. Now we're going to see the Holy Spirit use Paul as he carries the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And listen, the devil hates it. I promise you, any time you try to do something for the salvation of lost souls and try to function as a spirit-led New Testament church, I promise you, the gates of hell will open up and it'll do everything in its power to stop you. But the Word of God says it will not prevail against us. And so when we look at our culture today, especially in the midst of a pandemic and wanting to be aware and wanting to follow after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, after wanting to practice what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews of assembling ourselves together uh, like we ought to do the first day of the week, like the scripture says, we desperately want to have a spirit-led church. Amen? And so when you look at this passage of Scripture, and we've already talked about this two weeks ago, we saw the Holy Spirit's involvement within the church. We talked about there in verses 1, 2, and 3 how the Holy Spirit was working in the simple structure of the church. We see it there in the text in verses 1, 2, and 3. They had a very simple structure. They had pastors and they had teachers. And we asked ourselves the question, do we have that here at Maysville? We said, yes, we've got pastors, teachers. Number two, the second thing is we saw it in their ministries. And the Bible gives us very simple, four basic type, uh, excuse me, uh, it gives four ministries in verse 2 and 3 when it comes to their outreach. That is, they had a ministry to the Lord first. And then number two, they also had a ministry of fasting. They had a ministry of laying on of hands and is agreeing that God is calling people out. And then there was this ministry, if you would, uh, of prayer. And then we also talked about how the Holy Spirit was moving in the leaders. And we named all five of the leaders there in our first sermon in dealing with this. And we, we just compared ourselves and said, is Maysville a New Testament church? And, and we walked away greatly encouraged but challenged at the same time as a testimony to our shortfallings, we just said, we're not doing a real good job fasting. And that's something that you as a congregation, when you, you see me that over that first week in thinking about and dealing with that past description, you say, man, I just got to do a better job of fasting. That was the number one overarching theme that came back out of that text. And then we came last week. And last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit's intentions on the church. The Holy Spirit's intentions on the church. That is, the Holy Spirit intends to do something in our congregation. 
And it's, it's amazing to me because we're in three services. And man, that 8 o'clock service is growing like crazy. And this, this service is, is doing very well. And the 11 o'clock service is doing very well. And if we keep on this trajectory, we're going to have to think about something else. I mean, really, in order to have enough space. Uh, but, but, but what I'm telling you is this. In regards to the intentions of the Holy Spirit last week, we said the Holy Spirit had three intentions. And we just simply said He intends to call believers... He intends to call believers to salvation, and then he intends to call, excuse me, call lost people to salvation, and then he intends to call believers into service. And we talked about it. We said that sometimes that service is going to be a volunteer type service, but sometimes that service is going to be to give your life to ministry and to go into full time ministry. He calls out of our congregation. When we talked about some of the illustrations of that, we named some people. One of the things I didn't talk about last week is, is uh, we got a staff member right now. And, and look, it's, uh, it's something that we talk about every season here at Maysville Baptist Church. As pastor, it's very important for me to know where my staff is and where our staff's going. We've got a staff member right now that God is working in his heart. He's working in his heart. And here's his desire. He, he has a deep, deep passion and desire to plant a church out west somewhere. And it's about five years away. But this is happening inside our congregation. And God is calling men. He's calling women out. He's calling them into ministry. This is what a New Testament church does. So, listen, a New Testament church doesn't get upset when God calls out a staff member. I think about we didn't talk about it last week, but I think about it now. Uh, when, when Pastor Chuck was here. And God called him. We laid our hands on him and we prayed and sent him out just because we wanted to follow what Acts, uh, the first century church, was doing. And then we talked about the second thing last week we talked about was that not only does he intend to call out believers, he intends to send them. He sends them. This, this staff member I'm referring to has a specific sending aspect of his ministry in his heart wanting to go out west somewhere. I say that to say this. Who knows, in five years, God may put that same burden on you. And remember, we're only at $322,000 in our debt. When that debt is, is eliminated, it's going to put us in the unique position as a, as a New Testament church to be able to plant churches all over the world for the glory of God from right here at Maysville. And so see, God's lining this up. He's, he's getting this, 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 uh, uh, this weight, if you would, out from around our neck called debt to get us in a position where we can function more biblically as a New Testament congregation. And then the last thing we talked about is him filling, filling, filling up the believers. One baptism of the Spirit, many, many fillings. And we see that God gives you just exactly what you need, just exactly when you need it. And here is the illustration of that with the third point of the Holy Spirit. As we see number three, the Holy Spirit, he, he interacts outside the church. So see, not only is the Holy Spirit acting inside the church, but the Holy Spirit is also acting outside the church. Notice what the Bible says, if you would, beginning in verse number 6, all the way down to verse number 12. And notice how the Holy Spirit is working outside this New Testament congregation, this Gentile church. Verse number 6, and the Bible says this. And when they had gone through the Isle of Pappas, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, 
a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, of, uh, with, of the country Sergius Paulus. The deputy's name was Sergius Paulus. A prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now, let me stop right there and say something parenthetically. A lot of people get upset and they wonder, say, well, how could God be such a loving God if some of these places out there that have never heard the name of Jesus and they die and they go to hell, how could he be such a loving God? Listen to me very carefully. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, they're without excuse. Because when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God and neither were they thankful but came wicked in their imaginations and their professing themselves and became as wise, they became fools. Why? Because their foolish hearts were darkened. They were fools. But you see, there are some places out there today who deeply desire to know the truth of the Word of God, and God sends light where light is requested. And these individuals hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's a man that had a little bit of light, and he wanted more light. And so look at what he does here in the text. The Bible says that he called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the Word of God. And then he goes on to say in verse number 8, But Elymas... The sorcerer, for so it is named by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And he said, O full full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, you're an enemy of all righteousness. Will thou not cease to pervert the righteous ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the word. Here in this text we see the Holy Spirit's interaction Outside the church. The Holy Spirit is moving not only in here, but He's also moving out there. And He intends to use you and I as born-again children of God, as the instruments of His grace, to communicate the truth to a lost and dying world. I don't know if you realize this or not, but I'm telling you, people are seeking the truth today, Jr. Like I've never seen before in my life. They're seeking the truth. They want to talk about eternity. They want to talk about heaven. They want to talk about hell. They want to know for sure that if they die, where they're going to spend an eternity. And you and I, as born-again children of God, got the greatest news of all. That we can know beyond any shadow of doubt that we're going to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ by obeying the Scriptures and trusting Him as Lord and Savior. This man, Sergius Paulus, wanted that with all of his heart. He wanted to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord. But there was a spiritual war going on. And that spiritual war that was going on was doing everything in its power to prevent him from hearing the gospel. But because of the work of the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit's interaction outside the church in three ways. Let me give them to you this morning, and I hope it will be an encouragement to you. Number one, the first one I want you to see... Is in verse 6, 7, and 8. The Holy Spirit is a help against spiritual opposition. 
The Holy Spirit is a help against spiritual opposition. I'm telling you, there's a war going on in our day today, and this war is a spiritual war. It is very real, it is very prominent, and it is happening, and the devil hates it. The devil hates this church, the devil hates your life, the devil hates your family, the devil wants nothing more than to destroy your witness so that you cannot share the gospel of Jesus Christ, or at least feel so unworthy that you wouldn't even dare share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, church, listen to me, listen to me, friend. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if the Holy Spirit will guide you to a lost person that you might share the gospel, I promise he'll give you the words to say. We see that here in Paul's life. We see God giving Paul just exactly the words that he needed in order to speak truth into, into Sergius Paulus's life and shut the mouth of the spiritual opposition. Here's the key. The key is your dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Now listen, we, we, we're living as Southern Baptists. Lord, have mercy on our souls. We have been so concerned that any time we start preaching on the Holy Spirit, that somebody's going to think we're Pentecostal or that we done got, got crazy and going to lay on the floor and bark like dogs. Listen to me very carefully, dear friend. As a born-again child of God, as a Southern Baptist by way of believing the Word of God, we cannot ignore the teachings of the Holy Spirit of God because it is the very power that gives us to proclaim the gospel. Look at that person beside you and say, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we get so tied up to it. Oh, he said it. He said the H word. Holy Ghost. No, without the Holy Ghost, we can do nothing. I'm telling you, it's only by the power of the Holy Ghost I can stand up here today and preach with passion and with unction because my dependence is not upon myself. You believe that? You should have been here at the last hour. Bless God. I got, done, I got choked on some slobber. <laughs> Craig, I had 10 people wanting to bring me a bottle of water. And bless God, look, I had two under the pulpit. <laughs> but the power of the Holy Ghost helped me to get through. Oh, listen to me, dear friend. We can't do anything without the power of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to look right here. Notice this with me, if you would, in verse uh, number 6. The Bible says, and when they had gone through the Isle of Pappas. Now stop right there. If you mark in your Bibles, I would make a notation right here at this city. This Pappas. And there at this city, they found a sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, it's important that we pause right here and say something just a little bit about this spiritual opposition. Because as stated just a few minutes ago, when God's people seek to advance His purpose through His gospel, satanic opposition is always, always going to happen. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Satan's going to do everything in his power. So, it, look, it shouldn't surprise us today. It shouldn't surprise us today. We want to have our wild game dinner Sunday. Okay? It should not surprise us that the devil is going to do everything in his power to shut it down. 
And it's my responsibility as your pastor to give proper discernment whether or not to move forward or to stop because it's too dangerous due to the pandemic. It's a lot, it's a lot of pressure. But as of today, looking at those infection rates and seeing them still being below 1%, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to pray heaven down. We're going to ask God to use this for His glory and for us not to be distracted and ask for God's help and God's safety and be led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And in doing so, our heart's desire is that we might see some Sergius Paulus' saved come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to do it. We're going to do it at war, at a spiritual war with our culture. This term right here, Pappas here, this is a very interesting city. This city was a great center for the worship of Epaphrodite. They had this incredible uh, arena, if you would where they would have these great festivals. In fact, uh, according to to Venus, who was a, a historian of this day, he said this. He says, The greatest festival in Cyprus, in honor of Aphrodite, was the Aphrodisia, which was held three days each spring. It was attended by great crowds, not only from all parts of Cyprus, but also from surrounding countries. Piper says, another historian says, and commentator says this, it was a city full of immorality, extensive religious prostitution was seen throughout the course of Pappas. It was a city whose culture was anti-God. It was anti-gospel. It was anti-Bible. It was, anti- it was 100% hedonistic. This culture had at its very core, you do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. It doesn't matter. All roads lead to God. You just be a good uh, person in being faithful in what you do. The only problem with that philosophy is it'll send you to hell. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man will come to the Father but by me. And so we find here that this city was against the gospel. But it was this very city that we see Paul and Barnabas go sharing the gospel in. What do we learn from that as a church? We learn that if we're going to be a spirit-led church, then you and I as spirit-filled believers have to get out of the church, get into the city, and we've got to tell people about Jesus Christ. Verse number 6 goes on to say that they met a sorcerer. You see that? A sorcerer. I would underline that word sorcerer because this is not the first time we have, have witnessed this word sorcerer. We saw it once again over in Acts chapter 8. And it's the same word that's used over in the book of Matthew chapter 2. It's where we get the word magi. And it means magician. Now it's important that we understand the context by which this thing uh, originally was given to us. The term magi originally came to us from the Median, Median nation... And it was given in such a way that it talked about these individuals that were very keen on astronomy and astrology and archaeology and agriculture and mathematics and history. They knew all of these things. And it wasn't given in the negative sense until later. Later on, well after Matthew chapter 2, 
all of a sudden these other sorcerers, these other magi, these other magicians started popping up. And as they began to pop up, they started gaining political power. And their political power was so influential that no Persian ruler ever came to power without their approval. And so we find here later as we come to this text, a man by the name of Bar-Jesus who is one of these magi. But he's a magi in the negative sense. Why? Because he's a Jew. It's obvious that he's not from the the Medo-Persian Empire. He's not one of these that we see in Matthew chapter 2. He is an evil man who wants to distract people from Jesus Christ. He is power hungry, money hungry. He is evil. And the, the Bible further describes him as a false prophet. There are false prophets out there today. And those false prophets out there today will do everything in their power to hinder the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice in the midst of this terrible city, with this awful preacher, in verse number 7, the Bible tells us that there was a man by the name of Sergius Paulus. And the Bible calls him a prudent man. The word prudent there means intelligent. Now, some question his intelligence because he's got this false prophet on his staff, but he is very much an intelligent guy. He's intelligent from the perspective that he knew what it would take to rise to power. You see, this man, Sergius Paulus, before, remember, he's lost. He didn't know Jesus Christ as his Savior. He is practicing the things of the culture. And he hears about Paul and Barnabas that that have entered his city, and people are beginning to listen to the preaching of the Word of God. And as an intelligent man, wanting to know something about the Jewish religion, he inquires and asks them to come see him. And as he asks them to come see him, he comes, watch this, with the desire to hear the word of God. Brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that in our culture today, it may be upside down, but there are still people out there that is desiring to hear the word of God. And we cannot be distracted by the truth of the Word of God. I mean, look, let's face it. Uh, Many of you here today have heard the tragedy, the horror horror of what happened in Ravi Zacharias' life. Another, quote, man of God falls after his death. Heartbreaking. And the culture has fixated his attention upon it in such a way to say, see, that's what organized religion will get you. It'll get you a man that's that's power hungry, money hungry, that stands up before people and all the while in the background, he's dabbling in things he ought not to be dabbling in. Listen to me very carefully, brothers and sisters. We are living in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, the devil wants to do everything in his power to get the attention off the Word of God so that you cannot hear the truth of God's love. And if listen, if you'll focus on a man, you'll fall. But if you focus on God, you'll live by faith. 
And so we find here in this passage of Scripture, here's Sergius Paulus, and he is so hungry for the Word of God. But here's this sorcerer standing in the way in verse number 8. And the word elemis means magician. So it's a Roman term, magician. He says the magician stands in the way, withstanding them. The word withstand, if you mark in your Bibles, I would underline that. The word withstand means to stand in between and to push away. He's pushing, if you would, uh, Sergius Paulus back, and he's pushing Paul and Barnabas forward and saying, he don't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear what you're saying. And finally, we find here in this passage of Scripture, Paul, obviously, Again, he, he's, a, he's only been just three years into his education. He went over there to help Barnabas at the church at Jerusalem. Now here he is. He is a, a missionary. He's been sent. He's been called by God out of the church of Antioch. He's been sent out to come to Pappas here to Cyprus. He's going to Cy- He's in Cyprus. And now he is needing God to fill him up because you remember Paul. Remember what he was before he got saved? Bless God, he is a murderer. I can imagine in what Paul's wanting to do is pull out his knife and just end it all right there and then say, you need to get saved. Well, my stars, you think, but Sergius Paul raised his hand and go, okay. <laughs> but that's not what happened. Paul put his focus on the Holy Spirit of God. And in verse number 8, the Bible says, excuse me, verse number 9, the Bible says, then Saul, and here's the transition from this point forward, he'll be called Paul, his Roman name from this point forward. So Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice that it's in the past tense. Which means that he was being filled before any of this ever happened. He sets his eyes on him. And he says, O fool of subtlety and mischief. You're a child of the devil. You are the enemy of all and all righteousness. Will you not cease to prevent the right ways of the Lord? Now I want you to notice what he says here because it's very important. It's very fascinating in relationship to what he's talking about here. He clearly sees that this is a battle for Sergius Paulus' soul. And being filled with the Spirit, he speaks the truth. You say, well, where's the love? Because aren't we as Christians supposed to speak the truth in love? You're going to see it in here in just a moment. But let me just point this out. Sometimes the truth is very hard. And in the culture that we're living in, we've got to point out the truth as born-again children of God. When we come up to a culture and that culture says to us that marriage can be whatever you want it to be, that is the enemy of all righteousness. When we live in a culture where that culture begins to tell us that, that we can't use uh, uh, pronouns, masculine and feminine pronouns, we we got to uh, get rid of all of those things. And, and listen to me, we've we got to make sure we understand clearly what the Word of God says. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll fall into this issue of mischief and subtlety, and we'll be falling for this mischief. That the world is offering us. So the only way to combat it is to be filled with the Spirit. As Paul was. And speak the truth. 
in love. And notice what he says here in verse number 11. He says this. He says, and now behold the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind. Not seeing the sun set for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist of darkness. And he went about seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. You say, well preacher, where is the mercy? Did you see it? Notice it again. I hope you got your pens ready. Look back again. Verse number 11. He says, And thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun. Here's the mercy. For a season. He says, It's temporary. He says, You're going to be blind temporarily so that you might be able to think about the truth you're going to hear today about Jesus Christ. And as soon as Bar-Jesus was out of the way, Paul and Barnabas began to explain a simple gospel presentation. And you see what happens here in the text. Notice what he says there, verse number 12. Then the deputy, that's Sergius Paulus, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. You see, this man, Sergius Paulus, was not at shock. He was not astonished by the miracle. He was astonished by this story. This is what astonished him. The doctrine of the Lord. What's the doctrine of the Lord? What is this doctrine that he's talking about here in this passage? The doctrine of the Lord is this. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He was spoken about through the prophets that he would be born in Bethlehem. He was born and he lived a sinless life because he was 100% God and 100% man. At 33 years of age, he went to the cross. He went to Calvary where he was sentenced to death and stretched forth his arms and willingly, willingly gave himself As a sacrifice for your sins. He was suspended between heaven and earth. So much so when he died. The heavens darkened. As God the Father turned his back on his son. They removed Jesus Christ off of the cross. And they put him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day. Jesus came back to life. The stone rolled away and he came forth showing the scars of his hands and his side, proving to the disciples and showing to the disciples that he was really who he says he was the whole time. He was the son of the living God. And in order for you to be saved, Sergius Paulus, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And thou shalt be saved. He looked into the portals of history. And saw everything that Paul and Barnabas was talking about. Was true. In fact he would have known who Paul was. Saul. And here is Saul. Here is Saul. A man that would murder Christians has now spoken in front of a Roman governor 
and said the way to be saved is to trust Christ as Savior. And the Bible tells us here in the text that being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord, he believed. This belief that, Paul, that Sergius Paulus encountered was a belief in his heart. He believed that God really did send his son and that Jesus really was the Messiah. And as the Holy Spirit was at work that day, we see the Holy Spirit help gain spiritual victory in Sergius Paulus's life. That day he prayed and received Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to Bar-Jesus. Maybe he came out of his spiritual darkness. And maybe he realized that really what Paul was saying was true. But we do know this. We do know that the Holy Spirit worked in this spiritual opposition to gain spiritual victory. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you today, God wants you to have spiritual victory. And in order for you to have spiritual victory, you've got to know who Jesus Christ is. I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? There's a spiritual war going on for your soul. Yesterday I spoke at, uh, I spoke at the bow archery uh, shoot. Banks County archery shoot. Well, there are people everywhere. My goodness, it was wonderful. And as I was going, I was talking about, I was wanting to talk to them about being the master archer of your life. Who is the master archer of your life? You're either the master archer of your life or God's the master archer of your life. And I submitted to them Isaiah chapter number 48 verse 2 where the Bible says this in the latter part of that verse. Isaiah says that God has made him a sharpened arrow and hid him in his quiver. That's what Isaiah said. That's what Isaiah thought about. Isaiah thought through it and says... God is the master archer, and I'm just one of his arrows. He sharpened me through the course of my life, and he hid me in his quiver only to pull me out at the designated time and let me go. And we see what happened in the course of Isaiah's life. And so I was challenging on this. And in challenging him with that, I was doing a study on individuals that were trying to be the master of their own life. And I looked at two of them. I looked at Robin Williams, and I looked at Kate Spade. Robin Williams was an amazing icon here in the United States of America. Everybody knows Robin Williams. Uh, He starred in seven television shows, of which the first one I ever saw him in was Mork and Mindy. How many of you remember Mork and Mindy? (laughs) All the old people. Nanu, nanu to each one of you. He also starred in, listen to this, 76 movies. We know him probably best of all as the uh, Aladdin in Disney's Aladdin as the genie. He had it all. He had a life that only we could ever imagine. He lived his life in such a way, having fun and laughing and enjoying it, but he couldn't keep a marriage together. He's married three separate times. But at the end of his life, his net worth, listen to this, Marty, his net worth was $50 million. But he died by suicide. Thinking he had control of his life. 
He gave it up. I didn't know who Kate Spade was. I didn't know who she was until my daughter, Holly, was a teenager. And she had saved her Christmas money, her birthday money. She, I mean, every dime that she had. And we were on vacation one summer, and she took her money there. And on one occasion, we were trying to figure out it's raining. What are you going to do? Well, you do what you do when it's raining. You go to the Tanger Outlets. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> Even though we got one here, we were down in Florida. We went to the Tanger Outlets. And there was a Kate Spade store. And she said, ooh, ooh, ooh i got to go there. That's where i got to go there. And so she goes in. And she spends an incredible amount of money on a pocketbook. And I'm thinking, who is this person? Kate Spade. And I look it up, and Kate Spade is an individual who is an entrepreneur beyond any of our imagination. She took a company that at ground zero in New York City of all places. And saw that company grow that by the end of her life, you know what her net worth was? $200 million. Surely if money can buy you happiness, she had it. No. Kate Spade couldn't find happiness in money. She had a maid that came into her Manhattan apartment one morning, and there was Kate Spade, dead. She'd killed herself. Her husband, whose name was Andy, Andy uh, Spade, by the way, Andy Spade was the brother of David Spade, the comedian. Andy Spade, the, the husband, wrote a statement. In the end of his statement, he said this about Kate Spade, and I quote, She battled demons every day. Brothers and sisters, friends, guests, there's a battle going on for your soul. For those of you that do not know where you're going to spend an eternity... If you don't win that battle, you end up in hell. For those of you that are born again who have won the battle of your soul, the devil does not want you to use your gifts. He doesn't want you to use your talents. He doesn't want you to use any of that for his glory. He wants you to get all you can, as Vance Havner said, can all you get and then sit on the can and not do anything for the glory of God. And what I'm coming to you to say to you today is this. The Holy Spirit is a help for you and I in this 21st century, in this time in which you and I are living in the middle of this pandemic. He has given this congregation everything that we need in order to function as a spirit-led church that even in the midst of a pandemic, people ponder and wonder and, go, and just go out of their mind going, how do they do it? It's because we don't do it. We depend upon Him to do it through us. Us. So I'm going to ask you this question. How long are you going to sit on the sidelines or be an armchair quarterback? The Spirit of God is challenging you today to get in the game. And for those of you that don't know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is challenging you today to get it settled. Know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. You say, how would I do that, preacher? 
You simply, number one, admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and confess your sins to Him. So, preacher, would you help me do that? I will. I wonder today, could you help me, church, by bowing in prayer? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, my time is gone from me. If you're here today, whether you're watching by way of video, whether you're listening by way of radio, maybe you're sitting and listening to this via podcast, would you stop right now and in your heart will you examine and will you answer this question? Do I know where I'm going to spend an eternity? Yes or no? If you answer that question yes, then friend, God's dealing with you in another way. If you answer that question no, you do not know, then God is dealing with you. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And He wants you to stop being spiritually oppressed and start getting the spiritual victory. And today I want to help you with that. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, said this in the book of Romans. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can be saved today. You need to get the scales to fall from your eyes. You're spiritually oppressed. And you need the spiritual victory that can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. So right where you're sitting today, I want to ask you to do this right here. Would you do this from your heart to God's heart? Would you say, Lord Jesus... I'm tired of playing games. Today I trust you as my personal Savior and Lord. I admit that I'm a sinner. And today I repent of my sin. And I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website, or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Batesville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week, where once again, we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.